Well, welcome back to the Walk as Jesus Walk podcast series. And in today's message, this is the actually the sixth podcast message. Our topic is going to focus on how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. These are people who God sent. It could have been apostles. It could have been a brother or a sister. But someone shared the word of God. Now, this was before the Bible, so we're not talking about the Bible. We're talking about the word of God, words that came directly from Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember those leaders and consider the outcome of their way of life. They served until their death. They were men and women of faith. And it goes on to say, imitate their faith. It doesn't say try to be like them. It doesn't say try to imitate them. It says imitate their faith. And then it goes on to say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a constant. He will not change. From before creation, he was, he is, and he always will be. As I said, he is the constant that gives us the stability that we need to follow him. We don't have to go looking for him. Where, he, where is he now? And what's he doing now? And oh, he's changed. No, Jesus is the same. And we know that he is the only way. He is the only truth. And he, and he alone can offer the only eternal life, the only life that, that we need to spend eternity with him. However, so many have all through time and will continue to follow other ways, to follow false truths, and they'll never experience the eternal life that's offered through Christ. He offers it to them. He offers it to everyone. But unless they follow him because he is the way and listen to him because he speaks the truth, they will never have that life. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, On many past occasions and in many different ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. And we know that's the way that God spoke his words. The word of God came through the prophets, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, by Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature, upholding all things by his powerful word. There, once again, we're talking about the power that comes through the Spirit, through the word of God, what he speaks into our hearts, what he speaks into our soul. After he has provided his purification, after Jesus provided his purification for sin, he went and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It continues in verses 10 and 12. And in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, and like a garment, they will be changed. But you, you remain the same, and your years will never end. In Colossians chapter 1, we read, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, rather than the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, they were all created through Jesus. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If Jesus spoke the word, things would no longer hold together. Jesus holds power over all creation. That's why he could stand in a boat and say, be calm, and creation would stop around him. The wind and the water, the raging seas, they would just be calmed because those were his creations. And he is the head of the body, the church, not one of those many, maybe 30 or 40 different churches in your local community. Talking about the church, the body of Christ. He is the head of this remnant. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in all things he may have preeminence. Think about it now. For us, in order to be born again, we must die. And so to be reborn, Jesus was the first reborn. He was the firstborn among the dead, so that in all things he may have preeminence. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, just as Jesus is pleased to have all his fullness dwell within those who follow him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, rather things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. And continues in Colossians saying, once you were alienated from God and were hostile in your minds. Now he's talking directly to those who are truly in Christ. All people are hostile towards God, but those who reconcile are the ones who hear the call to render their lives and are chosen. That's who he's talking to. And he says, once you were hostile in your minds, engaging in the evil deeds, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy, unblemished, and blameless in his presence. He wants to present us before the Father, holy, unblemished, and blameless in his presence. However, the next thing it says is, if indeed you continue in your faith, Meaning that if indeed you do not continue in your faith, you won't be presented as holy, unblemished, and blameless in his presence. Jesus himself said, I am the true vine. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For those who do not remain, they will no longer be connected to the vine. He said that, and they will be cut off. They will be burned in the end. So it goes on to say, if indeed you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope of what? The gospel you heard, not some new gospel, not some church teaching, not some doctrine or some dogma, but the hope of the gospel you heard, which has been proclaimed, where? To every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, would become a servant. And we know Jesus said, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, every new creature that's born could hear the good news. But trust me, for those who are already here, Paul said that this gospel has been proclaimed. There are so many people who have heard the true gospel. 
but have rejected it. And they've rejected it because of their own selfishness and their lack of reverence for, for the Almighty God. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells us, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in a field. But while everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. Well, when the wheat sprouted and bore again, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And the master said, Well, an enemy did this. So the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he said, No. If you pull the weeds up now, you might uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell them, the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat into my barn. A little while later, Jesus explained this parable. He says, you know, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, speaking of himself. The field is the world. That's all around the world. That's all the people in the world. And the good seed represents the sons of the kingdom. So who are the sons of the kingdom if it's not those who are part of the remnant of Jesus Christ, who are in his body, who are his own? But the weeds, oh, they're the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. Now, the harvest is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. And as the weeds are collected, and all the weeds will be collected and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom every cause of sin and all who practice lawlessness. And you can only practice either righteousness or lawlessness. Let there be no mistake. There's no in-between. You either practice righteousness or you practice lawlessness. And it goes on and says, and they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, those who practice righteousness, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ears to hear, let him hear. Now, many heard but didn't listen. Many today hear, but they don't listen. Who are those who are not practicing righteousness those who are not truly following Jesus, because there is no righteous uh, righteousness in mankind. There is none. So I'm practicing lawlessness unless I seek to follow Jesus, and then that is the right thing to do. I will then be practicing righteousness. So it is clear that there is an ongoing battle between the true gospel and the many false gospels that are designed and implemented by the devil to deceive mankind with half-truths and outright lies. 
We cannot compromise the truth once we know it. There is no compromise. Far too many do this, do compromise, because they want to be accepted by others in the world. And this is sin. We don't compromise God's message because we want to be accepted by people in the world. Well, many will say, well, the reason I do that is I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable because they might turn away from God. It's not for us to turn them towards God. That's between them and God. We are the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven if we're in Christ. So half-truths, that's what Satan deals with. And if we want to water something down or give some less than full truth, then we're actually falling right into the trap set by the devil. We who are in Christ must love others, everyone else, while being guardians of the truth. Jesus said, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before swine. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. People who compromise do just that. They tear it down, and now it's torn apart, and they're, they're worth nothing. In Luke chapter 5, verse 30 through 32, it tells us, the Pharisees and their scribes, the religious-minded, self-righteous people of their day, complained to Jesus and his disciples, and he said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Well, Jesus said, you know, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the right. I have not come to call the righteous. Remember those who think that they're righteous. I have not come to call them, but I've called to call sinners to repentance. Now, so who is righteous? Well, Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, make it quite clear. It states, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, and they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Thus, Jesus calls those to him who know that they are sinners, separated from God, not those who believe in themselves to be righteous. Oh, I do all the right things. This is what the Jews did. And Jesus said, you know, your father is the devil. People who follow rules, people who follow a certain way of life that's been presented to them, this is exactly what the adversary wants. That's exactly what the adversary gets. And he did it with the Jews, and now he's done it with, with Christianity today. Someone asked the Lord, you know, will only a few people be saved? And Jesus answered, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. For many will try to enter and will not be able. Jesus said that. After the master of the house gets up and shuts the door, you will stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I do not know where you are from. Well, I'm from the church down the street. 
I'm from this denomination. I'm a non-denominationalist. I go to a Bible-believing church. I've been baptized. There'll be all kinds of things that people will say, Lord, open the door. You can find that in Luke chapter 13, verses 23 through 25. Jesus told us to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life, and only a few will find it. That's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus called and chose his first disciples. He did that. Matthew, follow me. Peter, follow me. John, follow me. And so forth. Now, they became a remnant who became part of his living body, the church. This remnant, they continued to grow through the power of the gospel of Jesus, not by worldly thinking, not by human rationale, but by the power of the gospel of Jesus. They followed Jesus, and they followed Jesus alone, being led and taught by the Holy Spirit, his Spirit, relying on God, Jesus, to teach them everything that they needed to know. A remnant that was commissioned to serve as earthly ambassadors of his kingdom and as fellow workers in the same harvest that Jesus began years before. Now, these faithful followers, they lived in this world parallel to what's known as today's modern Christianity, truly a creation of mankind. Today's Christian religion has its roots in the first century, and it continues to exist today. These religious-minded people seek to please God following varying doctrines, traditions, and man-made practices. Remember, Jesus said, the field is the world, and the good seed represents his sons in his kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. These are those who have rejected the truth for a counterfeit. Nevertheless, the remnant of true believers lives on following Jesus and him alone today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7 through seven states, But understand this, in the last days, terrible times will come. And we are in the last days. For men will be lovers of themselves. And boy, is that just spelling it out for what we have in this world today. Lovers of money. Boastful. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look how many souls I've won for the Lord today. Arrogant. Abusive disobedient to their parents. This is a plague that's that's hit the world. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, without love of good, traitorous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. However, 
having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Turn away from such as these. They are the kind who worm their way into households and captivate captivate vulnerable women who are weighed down with sins and led astray by various passions, who are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth that can only come through Jesus. Not through a group, not through a pastor, not through a teacher that's teaching something outside of Christ and Christ alone. That's the only truth. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no, he hasn't changed. No, he's not going to change with the times and all of a sudden get hip and get cool with today's churchianity and say, okay, I'm good with that. Jesus is not going to do that. Revelation 7, 9 tells us that after this, John looked and he saw a multitude too large for him to count from every nation and tribe and people and tongue, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. These are those remnants all through the last couple of centuries. These are those who have followed Jesus. They are the ones who have lived and died in Christ. Those are who were standing at the throne. So we know many, many, many have come to know Christ, but only a few in comparison. And Jesus said this, only a few in comparison to the many that have lived on this earth. Thus, in closing, it's essential for everyone who claims to abide in him to walk as Jesus walked. Jesus is constant. He is the constant and never changing. That means that we must understand that the gospel of Jesus never changes. Just as Jesus himself, it remains the same yesterday, today, and forever.